You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? A perfect stranger, he's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. A body organ, rearranger, you feel my danger. This time I'm bitch, can't so last for all your excuses. Keep coming faster, but your mouth cannot run my plaster. This time I'm bitch, can't so last for Welcome to the Nooner Show with J-Dubs and Rocky. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Rock in Royal Oak, Michigan. Be sure to find us at podcastdetroit.com. It's Nooner time. Somebody bring me a mirror. And it's hump day. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. It's looking like spring. Jackie, not what? for long. What? Nora? Where's my mirror? Oh, gosh. It's, and my it, billboard. And your billboard. <laughs> We're still waiting for that billboard. Okay. We need you to Where's take that, that photo. Where's that? Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> right. naked one of you in bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's going oh, yeah, on the that's billboard. Right. That's right. Where's the diva cup that I got you? It's at home. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, I'm the diva. Like, right? I know, I know. Oh, well, we know. <laughs> we sure do. I'm the diva. Right. So look, what I was looking at Facebook. Mm. Who you? Because I look at Facebook mm-hmm. all, a lot. all your friends. Yeah, <laughs> I think Facebook is to you what the Daily Mail is to me. Yeah, uh, like I love is, the Daily Mail. It is. Plus, you know, I can talk to my daughter, uh, um, who's in England. So, oh, well, that's I have to be on Facebook. Yeah, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have no good reason to be in the Daily Mail. Like, not one. (laughs) But um, anyway, I saw this monkey washing dishes. Oh. (laughs) And, you know, most kids won't wash dishes. No. But the monkey was really scrubbing those pots and pans. Are you serious? That is hilarious. But the the thing of it... (laughs) He was in the sink with the dishes, <laughs> oh, washing the dishes. So oh, I was that's like, like the cutest thing ever. And, 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 he, and he was trying to dry them and everything. But Aww, are you serious? Oh my God, it was hilarious. <laughs> was that for real? Yeah, he was in the sink washing the pots and pans. That is I, so I want him, cute. I want to. I want to. I want to meet who trained who trained a monkey to do that because I want him to come to our house and train. The family to do that. <laughs> you know what? Bring the kids We're to terrible. Do that. It drives me crazy. I put my dishes away when I'm done with them. No, you don't. Bullshit. <laughs> I am probably the only one. They're you always. Absolutely do that, that is bullshit. I absolutely no. do. You pick them up from the table, but then they just move over to the sink. No, that's so. not true at all. Well, see, I always put my own dishes in okay. the dishwasher. Okay. I'm the only one that does it. Okay. It me crazy. Can we get back to the monkey washing okay. the dishes? Yes. In the sink. Does, does she get in the sink to wash the dishes? That's, no, I don't do, you do get that. In the sink? No, you're welcome. She would for probably that. fit though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mom. I okay, know. so 
as hmm. I'm white, listening, um, looking at Facebook again more mm-hmm. and more, there was this guy on there. He's a shoe shine man. Mm-hmm. He makes nine hundred dollars a day. Are Damn. you serious? Shiny shoes in New York. Oh, oh my god! And, and it's hilarious. He. This is how he got started. He, his. He worked for like a copier place or something, mm-hmm. and his coworker got fired, and he set up a a shoe shine thing on the corner or something. So he goes out to to you know tease him. <laughs> And and the guy goes, I don't care, tease me. And he pulls out like this wad of money. Oh my <laughs> and, he, and he goes, and I've been shining shoes ever since. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> he that started. So he funny. started in 1987. He's been doing it for 17 years. Wow, wow. no kidding. And, and he's so freaking funny. Like people will walk by and he'll go, "Really? You're, you're walking around in no <laughs> shoes? You know, like stuff like that." So of course he's going to get people because yeah. you can tell yeah. he's a people person. Yeah, yeah. But oh my god, he's like, I'm not going to be rich. I'm not going to, you know, have a million dollars, but, you know, I could take care of my family. I could pay my rent and wow. I have a job that and I you can... don't have to answer to anyone. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he said. Oh. He's like, I don't have any backstabbing co-workers. Oh, so, no like, so I, I wow. you know, my thing is if you could have a job like that, you know, oh, yeah, I do it in a heartbeat. I would Just too. like people say, oh, I wouldn't shine shoes. I'm like, huh. Why not? If I could, you know, he makes his own hours. Oh, and yeah. That. That's yeah. awesome. $900 a day. Uh, and, and it's probably more than that. Yeah, right, know. right. That's, sure. what, that's what he's claiming. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching, um, because, you know, I love my Snapchat news stuff. So I was watching, there was an article on in Vice, and it was about, if you were the rapper Little Xan. I, I, yes. Yeah. Kind of. Sort of. So I there was like this little documentary it was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 minutes long or something. And um, so on him and his whole crew or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, they were he was talking in the documentary that he was a photographer. Like he started off as a photographer and um, his parents bought him a camera like they weren't rich or anything. So he loved this camera and he followed this other rapper around. And then he would go to all of his shows. And then the guy was like, you know, take, take pictures and videos at his yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, the, the rapper said, why don't you be our official guy? Like you'll come with us like on the road and stuff and you'll be like our official photographer. So he was all excited. Cool. So he went around mm-hmm. and yeah. then he put his camera down. Like it was the end of the show you know, one of the shows that they were on a date with. And so he put his camera down, turned his back and then went to just enjoy the show for a second, turned around and his camera was gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, his camera was stolen. And then he ended up rapping. Like he was, you know, such a part of their, you know, kind of like crew that they kind of took him on. And now wow. he's like, you know, he's headlining that's these a, big shows. That's and, a cool and it, story. And it's so yeah. funny how he started out, which, that's hilarious too because I actually thought I was going to be a photographer. I went to really? the I center. was scared that you were going to tell me you were going to be a rapper. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I, I, I can rap some now. bars. I can okay, rap. I can rap. I got That's five true. kids. I can rap. <laughs> you did so, just you say did their names really fast, right? and you got it. Like <laughs> you, you did start off going yes, to school for I was, photography. I, I, yeah. I went. You know, mm-hmm. I used to take the pictures at the the basketball games and all of that. Wow. You know, I was on the paper at school and all of that. And I just was like, yes, I'm going to be this photographer. Yeah. So. I'll never forget this. We couldn't afford, my mom couldn't afford to get me a camera. She was a single parent. Mm-hmm. And she bought me the whole set on Fingerhut. Do you? Oh, yeah. yeah that so catalog. You, yeah. So yeah, that's that how is, I got yeah. it. And it was like, you know, the different lenses and the bag oh. and everything. And someone stole it. Oh, really? my gosh. So here I am, a hairdresser in a co-host on the new there you go. <laughs> and a damn good one too. Twist you know what though? I do like that. Yeah, twist of fate exactly. Uh-huh. It's that whole connect 
the dots thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and one of my favorite quotes is the Steve Jobs. Um, you can't connect the dots by looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to wow. trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. Wow. And, isn't that true? Yeah, though? that is so yeah. cool. Well, and it was cool, too, because he was saying how, you know, he, uh, Little Zane was saying he's like a mama's boy. And so he was like really proud because he could buy his mama like a place. Like, so he moved her uh-huh. out of this, uh, you know, house or whatever and bought her like a little mm-hmm. pad closer to him and it was just like really sweet and mm-hmm. you know and he was like you know my like I'll feel fulfilled and like successful when I can take care of my family and you know it was oh just like gosh. so sweet I was like in tears I was like that's yeah. the cutest thing I've ever seen like, yeah. and oh, it's wow. funny because he's kind of like a rough looking guy too he's got like face yeah. tattoos and everything and he's getting all emotional about his mom I was like that's the, adorable yeah the mom will do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so cute. I don't care how tough you are yeah. or look <laughs> what, what, what are you buying your mom Oh, I'm about my mom my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which mom? Yeah, which one? Both of them. Oh, oh yeah. Right. yeah. But I get to live with one of you, so. <laughs> no, you have a roommate, my place. Okay, all right. No, okay. you have a roommate. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll just take the house. <laughs> <laughs> She's I like, you lived with me long and enough. You, you can and go And you now. have a monkey to wash your dishes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. His I'll name's John Paul. Yeah, his name's John Paul. He's probably listening. Where did Jessica go, though? Because, you know, this whole thing that we're talking about right now with connecting the dots and twist of fate and mm-hmm. you know um ties in perfectly i think with our guest yeah but we got to give a quick shout out before we move on yes. yep we got to give a quick shout out to tom stewart um tom stewart plumbing and drain servicing the metro detroit tri-county area from leaky faucets to major plumbing repairs tom stewart can serve all your home needs give them a call at 586-625-7800 or you can reach them at tomstewartplumbing.com okay <coughs> gotta give them a Shout out every week. Absolutely. He's our, our He's guy. Support. Am I going to sing? <laughs> well, you can go ahead and sing no, if you I'm want to sing. Get I'll ready. Just, I'll, I'll just, there I'll you just, go, Rocky. <laughs> Thank you, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> this segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. Entrepreneur, philanthropist, creator, and visionary are just some of the words that describe our guest today. Mark is the founder of one of Detroit's premier rock bands known as Slight Return. Over the years, Mark has collaborated with many great musicians, including George Clinton, Tony Green, just to name a few. He uses his love of music to fulfill his love of giving. Mark devotes much of his time and money to giving back to Detroit, the city he was born and raised in. Aside from performing live, he's talented rocker has ventured into many other businesses. He developed a television show and apparel line as well as trademarking many popular Detroit's slogan. Welcome to the show. Thank you Mark very much for Kassa. having me. Hey. How do you say your last name? Cassa. Cassa. Okay, Kassa. close. Cassa. <laughs> yes, welcome to the show. Um, thank you for being here. As, as we were talking a little bit before we started, and um, when we started doing research with you, with everything you have going on. <laughs> a lot. It's amazing. It like, okay, we, we really needed two hours today, <laughs> but we're going to try and squeeze in as much as we can. I'm not that exciting, believe me. Oh, yes, you are. Um, so I want to start off by... Um, you know, most people use their their talents, their skills um, to either instruct or inspire people. And you have done both very well. I mean, you, um, you. you're definitely a, a giving person. You're involved in so many different charities. I know you're you're um, part of the board of directors for um, D-Man. the D-Man the Foundation. D-Man Foundation. Um, you teach master classes at Dine. You... Um, have uh, a tutorial that you do on the uh, Hendrix 
budget. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Learning. <laughs> yeah, learning how to play. And then on top of that, you have uh, an apparel line, uh, a TV show, which, by the way, I've watched some of those interviews. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. Um, and then you have this amazing band that uh, has – has a strong presence not just in Detroit but also around the world. I mean, you, have, you guys have a really strong presence in the UK. Uh, yeah, we've got a few fans in the UK. Yeah, a few fans, mm-hmm. radio so. interviews, yeah. um, write ups, <laughs> right, um, right. ju- just a few. But uh, and then you've got people wearing your shirts in in Germany and yeah. uh, Ireland. It's like all all around the world. It's an it's international, like, yeah, yeah, thing you got going. So <laughs> I, I would. This is going to be one of those interviews where we're probably going to bounce back and forth, yeah. but I'm going to have you start uh, taking us down memory lane when you first formed the band. Like, how did sure. how did you do it? When did you do it? Let's start there. Yeah. Well, I formed the band in 1996, and uh, it was me. We were a three-piece. Mark Dabrowski on bass and my best friend, Alberto Rosale, on drums, and he, he was on drums and vocals. Um, we were buddies from second grade on. I went to – he ended up going to Wayne State. Music school. I went to Musicians Institute in L.A. And right. when I came back, you know, he was like doing the jazz thing. He was a house drummer, Burt's Marketplace in Detroit. Oh, oh cool. yeah. yeah. He was a house drummer. Love Amazing I drummer. I love Burt's yeah. too, yeah. So we started the band. And, and the funny part is our big joke is, you know, the Eddie Van Halen line of LSD lead singer disorder. So we didn't, oh. want, <laughs> so, so we didn't want to have – he said, you know what? I, yeah, I said, why don't we do a rock band? He's like – Okay, cool. But, you know, I don't like dealing with singers. He goes, so one of us has to learn how to do vocals. So it wasn't me. So one day Alberto comes in with, uh, he pulls out the Betty Crocker cookbook and starts wrapping the recipe to make Southern Fried Chicken. So, oh, wow. No way. So it started from there. He wrote, we did Southern Fried Chicken and then we, we did it. We cut a whole album. Uh, and then we also took, so we're, we're doing some gigs and we're a very experimental band. Like we were, we'd, open a show and just jam for like 25 minutes before we did anything. That's where we were big into Hendrix. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like Hendrix Plays Berkeley was on VHS tape. And I think we've, we rented it like 50 times from Blockbuster <laughs> for like awesome. five bucks each. Wow. And we could have bought it for like 20 bucks. You know? <laughs> so we'd watch that, you know, Machine Gun, Band of Gypsies. I mean, just Robin Trower. Um, I'll never forget Steve Ray Vaughan was coming to uh, Meadowbrook. And Alberto and my, and my other friend, there we were hanging out, and he's like, he goes, hey, man, you heard this guy's version of Voodoo Child? I'm like, no. So you put on the Couldn't Stand the Weather album. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. He's like, he's going to be at Meadowbrook tonight. You guys want to go? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Wow. And we get there. It's like raining, and I was big time. We're in the lawn sitting in the mud, of course. Oh, we never yeah. bring a blanket. And, I bet uh, it was the best show, though. Oh, right? <laughs> well, James, James Cotton Blues Band opened up, and I'm getting soaked and sitting around like, Man, this guy better be good. We're sitting out here. <laughs> and Stevie came out just killing it, man, with a white strat with lipstick pickups. And it just, that was like the show that just blew me away. And then the same summer, we saw Robin Trower at Shane Park, oh, which wow. was another show that just was unbelievable. Right. So we, we get to our second album and we took a Cypress Hill tune called Make a Move. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard the song. It's a very laid back song. It's no guitar, just bass, and it's mm-hmm. rapping over the top. And we did a, a pumped up rock version, which sounds like oh, like Rage cool. Against the Machine. So, oh, cool. So Al uh, sounded just like Zach De La Roca singing the song. So we got interest from Sony, from Atlantic, from Sanctuary Group. 
Um, but it was a tough time because my kids were small and mm-hmm. I did not want to leave. I'm like, I can't do it. So everyone was saying, how can you pass up opportunity? I'm like, you know what? I can't leave. My kids are young. I got to be here for these years because yeah. never, I'll never forget that's them true. and they won't. That's true. So oh, we didn't take it. Awesome. We didn't take it. Now, how long did it take to get to that point? Like how? Probably about four or five years. I don't okay. remember exactly what mm-hmm. it is. And it so, was the original, the three. The original lineup. Wow. Still. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. The original lineup. So we decided let's go in the studio, cut an EP. We go to the studio and Al was, he was coughing, you know, we're in the studio, he's coughing and, and he's like, you know, I got this cold, it's not going away. We finished cutting the EP and I'm like, dude, you got to go to Go to the doctor. You might have pneumonia or whatever. He goes in. They're like, sorry, you got four-stage cancer. You got four oh months. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So sure enough, four months later, he passed away. Oh, my God. So I quit playing for about a year, you know, because we had been since second grade mm-hmm. on playing. And uh, I was sitting around. And my wife goes, you know, he would not want you to quit playing because we were devout yeah. musicians, you know. And she's like, I go, well, I never sang before. I never. <laughs> she's like. She and Mark's gone. I got to reform the band. She's like, "You're a smart guy. You'll figure it out." Oh wow! So wow. a buddy of mine goes, "You know, I play a little bass in the church band." So he he's like, "We started getting together with a drum machine and started writing some stuff." And then it was, you know, I was I was trying to do vocals, which was like a, horrific. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I had to get used to playing also and doing vocals at the same time. It was like a whole transitional period and. Uh, eventually, I, uh, through a recommendation, I got a, uh, somebody who's a drummer who's been with us since, and we found a percussionist, and we put the band together and started. I said, you know, let's go in the studio. We weren't even ready. We went in the studio and cut an album. Funny, it's called Corporate Pig. So, because <laughs> so, I, I, I don't, I don't have. Let's just say I'm not very fond of the way large mm-hmm. entities get a lot of yeah. know, take advantage of people get large breaks Me or, either. or sports right, yeah. teams they'll they'll put mm-hmm. up a new stadium for a billion and get 600 million for free that's taxpayer I'm not mm-hmm. into that stuff right mm-hmm. right so and ironically the lead track was welcome to the d <laughs> on the on the cd wow and wow. i i came up with that song and uh just to trace back my roots to Detroit, not to jump around so much. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But to trace back my roots to Detroit, my grandfather came here in 1929 on a 69-day boat ride on a merchant ship from Iraq because oh, of religious wow. per- persecution because, you know, you would be you can be killed and right. Right for your religion. Right. Took him seven years to save enough money to get his family here. Wow. He became a, a success. He, became, mm-hmm. he brought his family after seven years, even ended up buying – I don't know if you guys remember Grinnell Music at all. Yes. Grinnell uh-huh. Organs. Yes. He I actually do. was able to buy their house on Boston Boulevard. Really? Now, now what did he do? What what he was in to... in a grocery a small grocery store. Okay. He started wow. working in a milk factory, mm-hmm. saved his money and bought a very small store. Couldn't speak English, had a third grade third grade education. After seven years, got my grandmother and their two children that they had in Iraq here by forty five day bo- uh, boat ride on the Queen Mary. Wow. wow. And they all came through Ellis Island. Wow. And uh, and then my dad and my uncle Became, you know, also born in Detroit. They're born in Detroit, became business partners, had a store in Kurtzville and Garland. The store got burned during the 67 riots. Yeah. They I worked on the that. Chrysler assembly line until the store got rebuilt. Even though everyone said, don't rebuild in Detroit. They believed right. in the city. And you, you stayed. Stayed. They stayed. Stayed. And then, wow. um, so I'm very rooted to Detroit. I'm born in Detroit. Yeah. Detroit Memorial right. Hospital, which is no longer here. Right. Yeah. All my right. siblings are. So I just, yeah. in the 80s and in 1990, I was at Musicians Institute in L.A. And uh, they used to call me Dr. Detroit. Yeah. When everybody hated this city and was dogging the city because of the the Devil's Night Fires and Mm -hmm. all the other stuff, I was promoting all the great things. Right. The music, 
you know, the amazing musicians come out of here, Motown, the right. rock artists, mm-hmm. innovation. I mean, just the auto industry alone. Oh, right. And, and of course, I used to get everybody upset because I had a Bill Lambeer jersey on oh, gosh. And, and a Bob Kroger <laughs> jersey in 1990 when the Pistons beat the Lakers. They swept them. And then while I was there, they repeated by beating Portland. Oh, wow. So, yeah. In fact, I remember I was on stage in the Funk Pro Series. Uh, and it was the rhythm section from Prince's band, and we were playing the James Brown song. Wow. And they stopped everybody. They stopped everybody and go, all right, everybody stop. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And they're like, no Detroit Piston fans on that stage, <laughs> especially with the Bill Lambert jersey. So naturally, I, I gave it back. You yeah. know, I, I oh, no. Okay. Gave him a ribbing back and then went wow. out with the song. That's awesome. But that's why I, I've been so connected to the city for so long. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. definitely an advocate. And, yep. and you give – you give a lot, um, not just money, but your time, time as well. Yeah. Why Why is that so important to you? To just, I mean, when you when you feel like you've you've been blessed with a lot, you have to give back. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no, I, I was happy to do a basketball program in, De- in Detroit with Coach Robert Brown uh, at Detroit Loyola off of Finkel, Wyoming. Um, it was called United Youth 2000. Uh, in fact, if anybody's listening to this and knows where Robert Brown is, I haven't seen him in a long time. Robert Robert is seven foot tall. He only had one arm that worked, and he became an All-American basketball player in high school. Really? Wow. All-American basketball player, and he was going to be drafted pro, and then he hurt his knee, couldn't go. The problem was he was dyslexic and was passed through school. Mm. So he went into a big depression, got uh-huh. hooked on drugs, everything. Completely pulled himself out of all that and got a master's degree. Wow. wow. I'd like to know where he is. Today. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. I've been trying to find him because wow. we ran a program for wow. like four or five years called United Youth 2000, where we had about two, 300 kids a week. It was at the draw was the basketball, but it was more about teaching a lot of ethics and things you didn't get if you were in a single parent home or in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of like the 10 week program, we'd give everybody their awards, special awards for certain wow. people. And, uh, Aretha Franklin's dad had was at New Bethel Baptist Church right down the street on Linwood. Um, it's funny when I was when I picked up George Clinton to bring him to the video shoot, and I drove down. We were on Linwood and Davison for thirty two years. I worked, and uh, George used to record at uh, I think it was Globe Recording on Linwood on Livernois. Oh wow! And so we were talking about Jerry. He's like, "How do you know about this? <laughs> this is where <laughs> well, I was my whole yeah. life, you know? Right, wow. right, right. So, I'm sure a lot of people are surprised, like when they talk to you that that. You know the whole city, you know, because inside now, you know, people, they they'll look at you first and. and Yeah, I know know, the whole. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Trust me. I always tell people, you know, I joke when remember when Jerome Bettis got a key to the city when the Pittsburgh Steelers played here for the Super Bowl. I go, I remember I go, he's in great company now. I go, guess who got the last key to the city of Detroit? Saddam Hussein. What? Saddam Hussein. (laughs) Go ahead and Google it. Really? I was a kid watching him, uh, and he didn't come to Detroit to get it. Coleman Young gave him a key to the city because he had donated like $300,000 to a church in Detroit. What it was is there was some Catholic churches that Saddam kind of commandeered in Iraq, and the Catholics came here, and he kind of felt guilty about it. And and so he get. Purchase a church here in Detroit. You Boy, can Google little it. known history wow. fact. Oh, that nobody talks about. These are, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, so I'm sorry. Getting back to the back. I know I had yeah. to go through all that just no, to show No, no. Yeah. That's okay. It gives us, it's a, it's the back sets story is what yeah, so, sets it all up. So we cut that first album, The Welcome, Welcome to the D. And then I had, um, and I, I'm sure you guys read about what happened with me and the Detroit Visitors Bureau and all yeah. these guys. It You know, complete joke, to be honest with you. Um, 
there's an old saying uh, that a good lawyer knows the law, a better one knows the judge. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those guys that knows the inside people. Mm, yeah. But they had taken my, I presented it to, let's just say, a particular sports team in Detroit. You saw my post with all the banners, yep. laminates. After I presented it to them and the Visitors Bureau, I'm an innocent guy thinking, cool, they could, a little promotion for the band. I'm proud right. to represent the city that I've been promoting for years. Right. And my PR company, Denha Media, had sent them. I have all the emails saved where it says, from Renee Monferton saying, oh, we love this. We sent it to our VP of marketing, but we don't have use for it for now. If we decide to use it, we'll contact you later. Mm-hmm. And then the entire city went to welcome them. Right. Day. They sent attorneys to court, to tra- three attorneys to court to try and intimidate me. They did everything under the sun. I went all the way to the Supreme Court. Wow. And was not even allowed to be heard. That's wow. the crazy part. And now there's a person that wants to do a documentary on it. And there's uh, ter- there's teachers at law schools that want me. They want to give me a trial because they they said it's complete BS. Yeah, yeah but I wow. never got my time. Well, why wouldn't they just work with you? I just don't. Yeah, that's what I. Don't, that's it, when we went to Sixth Circuit Court on the appeal. The first thing the magistrate did, he contacted both of our attorneys and said, "You know, can you guys just work something?" I said, "Yeah." yeah. I said, "Look, all I want them to admit." They don't own this. I have three, right. five trademarks, three on the D and two on welcome the mm-hmm. D. And I have what's called incontestability, which means it's been out there for more than five years. I filed for incontestability, which means nobody can ever lay claim to that mark. Wow. I also went through government liaison services when I registered, which I don't have to do. And they do a thorough search mm-hmm. and they give me back a book about a half inch thick that says you're the first guy to market. Wow. Because I don't want to step on anybody else's property. Right, I just right, don't, right. I don't understand how they yeah, get away with it. Listen, it's, you know why? Because attorneys take any piece of the law, mm-hmm. and it kind of like a, like if you took a giant quote from somebody, mm-hmm. and people take a tiny piece and take something and try and exploit something mm-hmm. that's not the real context of the law. Right. And that's what happens. And wow. Plus, let's face it, you know, I don't know people. These people yeah. deal with each other right. every day. Right, right, right. You know, oh, yeah. So it is what it is. At least wow. I feel good that I, I took the time. They spent... I've been told almost a million dollars to make sure that I didn't get like $2,000 in recognition that I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I believe do too. that. That's I do too. so stupid. It, it, it is, is stupid. Ridiculous. Yep. Wow. Well, let's talk about the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the good stuff. So, um, how did but, you get to uh, collaborating with some of the, with like uh, George Clinton? Like, how did all this stuff happen? Okay. So, my, we, after the Corporate Pig album, we released another one, Information Overload. Now, my kids, Right now, my you know my kids are my twins are twenty one. Oh wow! Third, third year in really? college. Yeah, my youngest one's eighteen. First year at Michigan State. So I'm like, you know, oh, wow. my kids are older now. I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna try and do what I've wanted. You know, kind of stretch out a little bit for for me this time. Yeah. Uh, so I put together an album and uh, I approached some people and like for example, George Clinton is a really funny story. I. Uh, Actually, you know, I'll tell you the story about Billy Cox first. You know how much of a Jimi Hendrix fan I am. My license plate's Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Awesome. So we were putting a, uh, we were going to do one Hendrix cover on the album. We do a medley of Stone Free and Third Stone from the Sun. And uh, I told the guys in the band, I go, you know what? I go, you know, be cool. What if we get Billy Cox, the last guy from Jimi Hendrix's band, you know, from uh, Band of Gypsies on this thing? Wow. And they laughed at me. They're like, ha, 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 nice joke. Right. I said, well, if you don't ask, if you don't ask, the answer is right. always no. No, that's right. right. So no. I found him on social media, and I inboxed him and said, you know, I'd really like to. It was his manager, and I said, you know, I'd like to record with Billy. And they politely said, well, we don't record with anybody who's not a national act, and we get right. approached by a million people. I said, but you know, send us your track. We'd like to hear it. I sent him the track. 
thinking nothing of it. I sent the morning, and it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I get this call. It's like, how are you doing? This is Brenda Carnell and Billy Cox's manager. Oh, my god. She gosh. goes, um, what kind of guitar do you play? I'm like a Parker Fly. Why? It was kind of a weird question. She mm-hmm. goes, somebody wants to talk to you. All of a sudden, hey, Mark, how are you doing? This is Billy Cox. Oh, <laughs> oh like, my gosh. That's I was amazing. like, wow. <laughs> so it was like a day and a half? Like uh, The, the same, same, same day, day I sent it. Yeah, wow. they listened to it. And they, wow. You know, they called me and... Uh, you know, I'm talking to him. It's just weird. I'm just rapping with him about the Hendrix Experience Tour and this and that. And he wow. goes, it was a Thursday, and he goes, you know, he goes, well, he goes, this you on the recording? I said, yeah, why? He goes, well, we got to talk. I said, okay, well, does that mean you're playing the album? He says, yeah. He says, can you be? It was Thursday. He goes, can you be in Nashville Sunday at one o'clock? I said, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what did your band say? I when know. They went back and like, when I called them, they go, no, he didn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They didn't believe you guys. Now, have you always been like that where you don't ha- fear doesn't hold you back? No, I'll for- talk to you. Set me a meeting with the top of any company. Or They're just people like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You true. know, I just feel like, and if they see that you're sincere, you're not trying to hurt anybody or doing right. anything mm-hmm. bad or trying to. So I, I got to Nashville and we, um, my, my best friend came with me. Because he was—he's a huge Hendrix fan, and it was just a private session in the studio. It was just the engineer, him and his wife, and we walked in, and they looked, and they go, "You're the guitar player we've been looking for." <laughs> I looked over my shoulder. I'm like, "Who are they talking to?" <laughs> so I got invited to stay in Nashville to record an album with them and go on the Experience Hendrix oh, tour. I'm like, nice. "I go, I." You at the went time, on that crazy. I was so mad. My at the time, I couldn't cut out four months of my time to go. And, oh, yeah. Okay. And it was impossible to go. I go, dude, but you just validated my career by oh, asking right? me. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Are you kidding? So he oh. took a bunch of pictures with us and pictures of my slight return stuff on, and he recorded it. We got him on the album. I'm, you know. Wow. Um, it's kind of funny because wow. Billy Cox didn't even play on, on Stone Free or Third Stone from the Sun, but he's on mine. He, oh, <laughs> and he sang. I got him on vocals, too. <laughs> wow. wow. That is really cool. So it's just a matter of when you – Decide what you want to do. You just go for it. And there's nothing that holds you back yeah, as far yeah. as I mean, asking people. And so how so how did the George Clinton so, story happen? So George Clinton, I we're almost done with the album. I had Dennis Coffey on there from the Funk Brothers. I had, you know, Billy Cox. I had, um, uh, oh, Davey Patterson from Robin Trower's band. I go to the guys in the band. The album was done. And I go, man, you know what this album needs? I go, George Clinton. They go, ha, ha, that's a good one. <laughs> they go, how the hell are you going to get George Clinton? I go, well, you know my theory. You don't ask. The answers always no. Right. I emailed they should us. stop doubting you. I know. <laughs> I think at this point, I think after the first time, yeah, right. be like. <laughs> I emailed his management. Same thing. We don't record. We get hundreds of requests, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Send us your information. Mm-hmm. I sent it to him, and they contacted me back and said, well, we like this. They go, but George won't record with anybody. Unless he meets you in person, he likes you. They said he's coming in on Thursday of this week from Switzerland for a Red Bull appearance at the TV lounge in Detroit off of Grand River, right there by the mm. casino. They go, he'll come in at midnight, about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and it goes till noon the next day, mm. but George will be there between 12 and 1. That's okay, I'll be there. So me and my friend go down there, and uh, I'm dressed up like in business attire. It's a club. Everyone's all clubbing, looking all. <laughs> yeah. So George walks in at 1 o'clock. He's got a hat on, silver silk suit, and he's like his entourage of 100 people that he goes everywhere with. <laughs> wow. They go right to the dressing room. I'm like, oh, man, there's no way I'm going to talk to this guy. And I looked at my buddy. I go, you know what? There's two, two security guys by his dressing room. I go, I'm dressed like a businessman. Watch this. You're going to think I'm his manager. I walk right by him. I go, hey, guys, how you doing? They go, oh, good. Come on in. Oh, no <laughs> way. Yeah, so I walk in. George is sitting there, and all these people, and they're looking at me like, who the heck is this guy? Great story. And I'm like, hey, George, what's going on, man? I'm like, listen, man, Phil Senadella sent me here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Phil. I go, listen, man. I go, this album's got this guy, this guy, this guy. I go, but it will not be complete unless George Clinton's on this album. 
I'm talking, I'm talking. He's like, all right, I play on your record. I thought he was just trying to get rid of me. Like, <laughs> yeah. get this guy out of here. Sure enough, two days, next day, I get an email from his manager. He said, George, you, you're the half percent that passed the test. He likes you. He'll record with you. Wow. And then that it was setting up crazy. recording time. So I had to follow his tour. I found a day that he was off and he was coming through Detroit. And I, I emailed his management. I said, is he going to be off? Is he going to be in Detroit Sunday? It's a Saturday show. He goes, yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to book studio time at United Sound in Detroit. That's where George cut all the P-Funk stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wanted right. to be comfortable and know I'm a legit mm-hmm. person. So I, I secured the studio time. And they go, well, it is George. He may or may not be there. I'm like, oh, come on, man. So <laughs> I get there at noon. I walk in. He's there waiting for me. Oh, wow. And we did the session. And ironically, Pat Lewis is doing backup vocals on one of the songs on, uh, you know, on uh, Shake Your Detroit Right. So that happened totally by mistake, too. Pat was just sitting there. She came in to see George because she was a backup singer for P. Funk and for Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Got an awesome voice. She's just sitting there kind of grooving to the music mm-hmm. and stuff. And then George goes, hey, Pat, come on up. We're going to put you to work. And she got up and did the, and such an amazing it. job wow. doing the backups and the harmonies and all that stuff. Totally it, unplanned. Yeah. Completely unplanned. So wow. so what do you think it was about you that George liked? You know, I think most people see somebody who wants to kind of get something out of them. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really like that. I'm just more like, hey, I just want to put something together cool and release it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to take advantage of nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying right. to. And, you know, I'm not like, I'm not trying to do anything shady or anything like that. I think right. it kind of comes through that I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you're, you're a real fan. I mean, you. Yeah, I love their music. And they know when I talk to them I'm, yeah. that I really love the stuff mm-hmm. they're doing. Uh, Andy Vargas was another funny story. So I'm, I'm a huge Santana fan. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I went to Vegas and it was a. Um, I'm I'm friends with Santana's bodyguard, Sean Guthrie. And I told Sean, I go, you know, and I go, I know, I know I've seen so many shows. There's I go, I know I could write something cool for Andy to sing. So we went to Vegas. There was a show on a Wednesday and a Friday. So I went to the Wednesday show and they told me, wait, after the show, wait by this door. Andy's going to come out from this side. And Andy's the, the lead, lead singer. vocalist mm-hmm. for Santana. Right. Okay. So I'm waiting out there. Andy has no idea who I am. So I'm waiting out after the show, a couple hours. He never came out after the show. He must have gone out another exit. So my wife looks at me and I go, you know, maybe it's just, it meant, I'm not meant to record with him. She goes, you going to go to the show Friday? I go, no, nah, I'm not going to go. Friday comes. She goes, you going to go to the show tonight? I go, yeah, I'm going. She goes, you know what? You got that look in your eye. I think you're going to get it done. <laughs> so this time I got there before the show and stood by where the gift store is at the House of Blues in Vegas where some of the musicians walk through before the show. Sure enough, he's walking by me. I go, Andy, what's up, man? He looks at me like, all right, who's this crazy yeah. guy? I go, and I hand them the CD with George Clinton. I go, look, dude, I got this guy, this guy, this guy. I go, I know I could write some cool music for you if you give it a chance. So he's like, okay, I'll talk to you. He took the CD. And a few days later, he emailed me. He's like, man, I listen to this. I really wow. like it. He goes, I, I'd like to uh, record. I go, I know you're busy on the road all the time. They do so many dates. I said, do you want to just kind of like email each other the tracks? He goes, no, I like what you're doing. I want to come to Detroit and record with you. Wow. Really? Yeah. So then as I'm talking to Andy, we're getting closer to recording time. And I said to him, I go, man, you know what I really miss in Santana's band is Dennis Chambers on drums. Dennis is in like one of the greatest in history. And uh, in fact, Dennis may be the only guy who refused Sting to play in his band. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Dennis is amazing. He's played for P-Funk, Santana, Jackson 5, Steely Dan, uh, I mean, everybody in the book, the guy's yeah. a legend. So he goes, well, 
you want to talk to him? I got his number still from playing in the band. I go, uh, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> he goes, okay, I'm going to call him. Tell him you're calling him. So he called him, and I called Dennis up a few minutes later. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? I said, you know, this is the deal. He goes, well, I got to like something before I record with you. So I send the track. He called me back right. He goes, yeah, I'm in. Oh so, my gosh, that's amazing. So, okay, well, why do you make this sound yeah, so I was gonna say it. No, I was saying it too. So like then I um a charmed life. <laughs> so then what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure they're comfortable where I took them. So Andy's a huge Marvin Gaye fan. So I took him to uh United Sound in Detroit mm-hmm. where Marvin Gaye cut the What's Going On album. Yeah. I said I'm gonna put mm-hmm. you in the same spot Marvin cut his track, and then Dennis cut the P-Funk stuff in United Sound. Mm-hmm. So it worked out great because P-Funk's albums, their gold albums were cut there and platinum albums. Right. So when we walked in the studio, they were both like, wow, wow. this is cool. And Dennis is on the phone going, hey, man, you guys ain't going to believe where I'm at right now. You know? <laughs> wow. And uh, we cut those tracks. And, and the way uh, I made it happen with Andy, you still got to, you, you got to be proactive with stuff. So after he had agreed to record, I watched their tour and they were playing in Chicago and they had a day off, and actually, I'm sorry, not in Chicago. I forgot where they were playing. And they had a day off, and they were in Detroit the next day. But the way they work, when Carlos tours, they take a they take a private jet and they park in Chicago. They stay at the Four Seasons, and then they just fly in and out for the gig wherever they go. If they're in New York, they fly oh, to New York, oh. fly back. So this way, they mm-hmm. stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I called Andy. I'm like, hey, I go, you guys are off Friday. I'm like, you want to do a songwriting session? So he's yeah, come on up. So I drove to Chicago. And I brought a guitar and I brought a few pedals and we we recorded about we, we sat down for about seventeen hours and cut about about ten twelve ideas. Wow! wow. Now, and, and like you don't go through uh, feeling intimidated or uncomfortable or nervous. No, but it is unusual when you're in the studio and you got like George Clinton who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Dennis who's a legend or Andy who sings it you know sings and I'm telling them what to do. They're like, "What do you want me to do?" I'm like, "Okay, do this." Cut this on this track. No, no, I don't do that drum piece. That's what this. I'm saying. I'd be so nervous. Yeah, I'd be like, like, I, w- I got nothing. <laughs> is, there, is there anything that makes you nervous when it comes to music? Uh, or anything. It sounds like he's like. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoy it. I just love, you know, the collaborating with people and getting stuff done. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not nervous about it. I really feel when I work with an artist that I can write something in their style that'll work for them. Like mm. when I wrote with George, like there's a track of Santana and George Clinton together. People really haven't heard. It was on this album, but it never got pushed out there because it was like Carlos playing his music, having George sing over it. But to me, I feel like you always have to write for the singer. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote funky people and shake your Detroit, right? I had the idea of, I want this to be like George Clinton meets the red hot chili peppers, his style, you know, yeah. When I recorded with Andy Vargas, you guys heard it. It's like more of like almost like a rock with a little bit of a blues Hendrixy kind of vibe mm-hmm, to it. Right. So that's what I felt like his style would be good for. Um, you know, obviously the Hendrix stuff with Billy Cox or with, with Davey Pattison. He sang for Robin Trower, who's one of my biggest guitar heroes. So when I wrote the song Horse Left the Stable, uh, that's in that style, the real Robin Trower-esque mm-hmm. kind of style. So I like to write for the vocalist. And that's why I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not like, I don't want... If you make them bend to you, it gets uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. You know, so that's why. And, you know, there's an old saying, too, is uh, don't let success get to your head and don't let failure get to your heart. Yeah. So, that's good. You know, so if people, if you get rejected, it's like, okay, it's just a, it's a yeah. redirection to something better. I remember right. when uh, Royal Oak Fifth Avenue was the hot spot for everybody to play. Oh, right, right. In the early days of Slight Return, um, there was 
a guy that did the booking there that was real tough to deal with. And I went there to book our band there. And I was like, all right, cool. Play Royal Fifth Avenue. It's the hot spot. And he's like, well, you guys aren't good enough to play here or whatever. And I started, I, I said, instead of getting mad, I go, just means there's something else better out there. And a week and a half later, we're opening a DTE. Wow. So Who were you opening for? It was yeah. CCR. Oh, wow. We did two wow. gigs there with CCR and we did a show with, with Tesla over there. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's like, I always tell people, don't get discouraged about what, look, look what you just, was you were just telling us a story about somebody who got their camera stolen. Yeah. Right. Look right. what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost like it pushes you towards right. something yeah. better. True. But if I would have landed that gig, I'd have been like, all right, we made it. We're playing Roll Up Fifth mm-hmm. Avenue. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Instead, DTE was waiting. Yeah, that's yeah, where you yeah. needed like, to be. That's crazy. Wow, that's that is amazing. so. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, where do you find like when you're writing? Where do you do you find your inspiration through the people you write for, or is it like does it come from an outside source and you kind of tie it in? Boy, I think it's just from outside. I just feel like, um, you know, I've been very, very lucky. I mean, God bless me with an ability to write. I just, you know, I'll be. It's kind of funny. We would take the kids to Disney World, and I'd be standing in line with my notepad on my phone and write two songs by the time we got on the ride. Wow. <laughs> so it was like my that's great. My wife is like, "Does your brain ever stop?" Yeah, I'm like, "No." no. When did you start writing? Like, when did you realize that you had a gift for that? You know, it's funny. I was forced into it because when my buddy passed away and he was doing the songs, all I thought about then was the guitar playing. So really not till like like 2005, 2006 is when I really even started writing because it was always wow. the – I always wrote the music yeah. to the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But lyrics and, and putting the song together, like um, now I feel like uh, like I can produce a band from A to Z. Even that Welcome to the D video you guys saw, yeah. I did the video editing myself. It took me over 100 hours to edit really? it. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I just try and put my mind to something and kind of do it. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, this is interesting, too. The whole motivation for the Welcome to the D album, I, I had just done an information, this album called Information Overload that had 17 tracks on it. And, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. This first time I had, like, really been the producer on an album from A to Z. And I, I didn't do that good of a job, you know. But I tried everything. In that process, I learned so much. After the album, I said, well, I guess I'm kind of done playing. Then I got from an introduction, a friend of mine moved to LA. He called me up and he goes, I know you love analog recording. And I got a buddy here named Rich Mansoor. He has a studio all analog. And I think you guys should just connect for the heck of it. So we spoke on the phone a little bit. And I love analog. We record reel to reel because it's a nice, big, rich sound, old school. And uh, Rich, we kind of talked for about 45 minutes. That We didn't talk for like three months. He was kind of following my post. I was following his. Then he called me and said, listen. I got a guy here in Detroit. His name is Kevin Taylor. He's a world record holder for breaking bricks. He was on America's Got Talent and stuff like that. And um, like TV shows in Germany and everything. He said he needs a theme song. We called this guy Big K. And he said, uh, we tried some bands in San Diego and everyone's taking their time. and They flop. They can't write nothing. I know you guys write high energy stuff. Can you write something? I said, yeah, why not? So about a week and a half later, I called him and said, okay, song's ready. Wow. And he's like, that's it? You ready? Like, yeah, we're ready. He goes, he's not used to that with the musician. <laughs> yeah, so he says... Uh, Distracted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to me, you know where I want you to go record? I got. You ever heard of a guy named Jim Diamond? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, he recorded the White Stripes' first two albums. He's in Detroit. It's crazy. His studio was connected to the back of the Fillmore. It oh, was wow. in between the Fillmore and that back building. You went up a set of stairs and... um 
the place was an old chicken processing plant, so it had like black mold, asbestos. Oh, <laughs> it was like if there was a fire, we'd all been dead during yeah. the session. But the album Welcome to D wanted had a grittier sound, and that's what we wanted. So the what the big case that he says, you know what, why don't you just write a couple more songs since you're going in there? So I said, Okay, no problem. I wrote two more songs. Another couple weeks later, we're ready to go in. He goes, you know what? Why don't you just write a few more songs and do six? I wrote a few more songs. So we so we went in, cut those songs, and uh and then that went great. I mean, it was the sound we wanted. And that's we thought the album was done, and that's when I started with the guests. But Rich was the impetus behind everything. He's an f- awesome guy. I mean, one of the nicest stand-up guys there is. Wow. Um and then we we as we got that album done, you know. The album is no matter somebody can capture tracks cleanly, but everything's about the mixing and the mastering. Those are two; these are three separate arts: capturing, totally <laughs> mixing will make or break you, and then mastering is a whole nother level. So he goes, "I got two friends in Seattle that I want you to meet: Jack and Dino and Chris Hansick." Has he ever? Has he ever heard of him? I said, "No." Well, they're the guys who recorded Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mudhoney. Wow. They did all that sub pop label stuff mm-hmm. that was huge, and uh, so we flew out to Seattle. For the mix down, I sat at the board with Jack for like three days straight for about 16 hours a day. Just an amazing person. And I learned, it was like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Sitting with him. I learned so much about mixing and editing and producing. Uh, and he did, so Jack did that album. By the time he got done with the Welcome to the D album, when I came back with Vicious Tides, he knew what I liked already. So he says, don't even come out here. I know exactly what you need. And he mixed that. And then there's a guy named Chris Hansick in Seattle who does the mastering. He's just to me like the guru of mastering wow uh and then this is cool too just recently jack who did our albums won a grammy yeah wow. i saw that on so, your on yeah. your page yeah and so i'm heading we're actually heading to seattle to cut another album in a couple months really going, wow. this time we're going right to his studio in seattle and cutting the whole mm-hmm. thing and jack's gonna play bass in a couple of songs so we have a little piece of seattle history there wow, wow. so t- we're gonna play uh vicious tide as mm-hmm. soon as uh jess just gets, gets back, back here but yeah. tell us how this happened with andy oh so so like I told you, meeting Andy and then we record the re- It's funny. We were only supposed to record an EP, those first three songs. That's all we had ready. We got to the studio and I told my bass player, I said, Mike, do me a favor. Bring your bass to the studio. I'm bringing a guitar. If we wind up with any extra time on the clock, let's just have a jam session. Just to have a jam session with, with Dennis yeah, Chambers and Andy would be unbelievable. Right, right. So, uh, so he says, yeah, no problem. So we get done and sure enough, we had an extra hour. I told the engineer, I said, do me a favor. Just roll the tape. We jammed for one hour straight. I played everything I knew. We played What's Going On from Marvin Gaye. We played some Cream. We played Hendrix. We played all the stuff. Oh, cool. I came back the next day, brought a thumb drive to capture it, and I plugged it in. I listened. It's like an hour jam, and I'm like, man, this is good stuff. So mm-hmm. I sent it to the guys. They go, why don't we release this? And the rest of the album is from that, a one-take-off-the-floor wow. jam. Andy just went back and dubbed a little bit of his uh, his backup vocals. But wow. yeah, like what's going on, all that stuff, the Hendrix stuff is one take. Wow. That's fantastic. That Tell us about Vicious Tides. Who you did you write you wrote the music, right? Yep. But yep. you Andy wrote the lyrics. He wrote the lyrics, right? yeah. Okay. And how so how did that happen? Did you give him the music and did you have any idea that this is what this what Well it that was, was a session in uh it went, went to Chicago to okay. do the the get the lay mm-hmm. the ideas down. He picked which ones he liked. And I had uh, I tune half step down like Hendrix and Steve Ray Vaughan did, which is like a beefier kind of sound, and it's easier on the vocalist. Uh, you can bend strings easier, and then I tuned the low string down another whole step, 
And when Andy heard that that key, he was like, "Man, this is really comfortable to sing in." Mm-hmm. And then, and we just started. The song just kind of progressed. You know, I just kind of started putting stuff together. I wanted to give the Hendrix vibe, so he's like a seven sharp nine chord. And did I wanted that kind of grooving kind of sound? Yeah, you know. And then, um, what what is the song about? This is about. This is actually Andy's story, and he is he had a problem. You remember, he's seventeen years old. Gets picked up as the singer for one of the most iconic bands in history, Santana. Right. Mm. So he's touring the world. And then, you know how it is. You're, if you're 17 and you're getting inundated with all this stuff, things happen. Right. He ended up becoming an alcoholic. And he he changed his whole life around, cleaned up. And now he sponsors so many people at AA. People call him in distress and he talks him through. And he's wow. a great, great guy. Him and Dennis both, man. Really, I mean- it's kind of funny when we're in the studio, the engineer goes, you know, he goes, I had a gospel group here last week and you guys are way nicer than them. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's funny. So, but wow. his, that's uh, the videos. We have uh, six videos that have not been released yet. When are they going to be released? You know, we're working on something right now with RL Recordings, which is a subsidiary of Universal, and they're probably going to release them for us. Wow. Uh, so I just figured let's wait it out till the right time. Great. Uh, but. You now, know. how can people get your music? So there, we're on all the typical music sites, Google, Amazon, like every music site there Spotify, is. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, iTunes, okay, everything. Okay, and it's Slight Return, yep. which I, I, I love that name. And I keep Thank thinking you. to myself, though, Slight Return, it sounds like it should be Grand Return because <laughs> you've got all <laughs> these you. great things happening. But we're going to listen to Vicious Tides right now. And that's by Slight Return, and and they can and all these songs have been released already. Yeah, right? all those songs have okay. been released. Yep. I'm right now. I'm 
Yeah, oh, that is awesome. that song is amazing. The guitar, mm-hmm. yeah. holy <laughs> gosh! Thank you. It's so cool hearing Andy like the way his style morphs when he's like not oh. not with Carlos. You know, a little yeah. bit more Lenny Kravitzy kind of style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what does he like think? Oh, Andy loves the album. He's really they're yeah. very happy with Has it. Has Carlos Santana heard it? You know, I don't know if Carlos has heard it. It's kind of a, a you know, because it's kind of weird if I ask him. To, yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. Uh, but <laughs> look, at, look at what your singer did on my band. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you, exactly. You want us to ask, We can ask him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had a chance to meet him, right? And have oh, yeah. a conversation with him? Yeah, I met Carlos a couple of times. I kind of keep it brief because I'm a little embarrassed. Not that I'm shy about talking to him, but I'm a little embarrassed because he's always crowded around by so many people. Yeah. So I kind of just say hello to him, talk for a second. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's but nice guy. Very nice guy. Very... Uh, very cool character. What uh, What's next for the band? What, what do you hope to, uh, I mean, you know, you, it's like you've already achieved so much success. So how do you top that? What's? Well, I'm glad you feel like that. I don't feel like I've done anything yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> you've done you know? a lot of great things. Uh, yeah, you really have. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, honestly, I just want to keep playing. I really would, um, just going to keep pushing and I want to give back as much as possible. I just want to keep working and trying to give back to people and help out as much as I can. And my thing, like even when I spoke a dime, I just told him, don't let any, you know, don't let negativity get to you. Don't let people, you're going to get it no matter what. So right. just keep yeah, moving you forward, you know, try and improve yourself a little bit every day. If you can move forward in a little bit every day, you know, next thing you know, you're further down the road than you ever thought. Is that sort of the mantra you live by? Yeah. Yeah. I just think like you can get it, even if you only get a tiny bit done every day, mm-hmm. you know, but you get something done and it adds up to something later on down the line. And you know what? It's just a goal to uh, live, not just exist. Right. True. You know, because right. people, it's funny. You don't notice how watered down you get in everyday life till you do something you have passion for. Mm-hmm. Right. And then oh, my God. That's but, so but, true. <laughs> that is true. But even so doing true. something that you have passion for, how do you um, how do you keep yourself going? How, how do you get so um, – you? You know, so many people after a few years when nothing's happening and, you know, they, they don't have the collaborations that you've had and um, they it's like, how do you not make it old? You know what I'm trying to say? You know, and every like, day just trying to come up with something unique or trying to look outside the box. You know, always remember if you're if you're too deep inside something, you always got to take a minute to look from the outside in. It's, the, it's they call it the snow globe effect, right? If you're inside, you don't know what's going on. Right. But when you take a zoom, when you zoom out for a minute and go. Yeah, maybe I'm discouraged I didn't get this done or that done, but look, look at I, thank goodness did. I can wake up in the morning. I got cognitive ability to move forward and accomplish something. A lot of people, you know, are struggling in a, in a lot of more, very much more serious ways. This right. is just like, okay, well, I didn't get this done. Big deal, you know? Plus, I, if you can be a service to other people, that's also another big thing. That that's so interesting that you just said that because we had a show two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We had um, a psychotherapist on our show and we were talking about happiness and because um, anxiety, depression, suicide rates are all up. And we were talking about the search for happiness. And one of the common denominators is the people that are truly happy are people that serve other people. True. Pay it forward. Yeah. Pay yeah. it forward. Do what you can do. And just uh, – it's funny because I used to always do a lot of things very under the radar. I never wanted to be recognized for anything. I never wanted to be known – except you know, music is different because it's like you're – Right. Because you want people to hear your music. But – Doing anything for people, I never wanted to be known. But then one day, a friend of mine pointed out something and said, you know, I know you, you know, I respect you for wanting to do that. But go, just remember, if you do something and these people see it, it might motivate them to do mm-hmm. something else. Exactly. Right. Right. Like, why? I never really 
looked at it that way. I looked yeah. like it was vanity because you're saying, yeah. oh, you know, I'm you're right. showing something you're trying to do. But he's like, no, it'll motivate with the right spirit behind it. Right. It will motivate somebody else to do I'm something. I'm glad that you said that because a lot of people do look at it like that, like you're mm-hmm. you're you're bragging or, you know, that kind of thing. I think so. people can tell when you're genuine, though. You know, you're True. a very genuine person. Well, and thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. You're authentic to who you are. And that definitely just. Radiates, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I, I want to give you. a yeah. shout out to your wife. You have, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I do too. I do. What's your wife's name? Marilyn. Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah that's awesome. Great, that she's been yeah. supportive like that, oh. yeah. and sounds like you guys are on the same page mm-hmm. with, um, mm-hmm. you know, your outlook on. on yeah, she's got, they're great. My in-laws are great. My, you know, we've been married twenty-three years. We. What have your in-laws ever gone to a show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what do they? They love it. They have a great time. When they time. see you on stage with the hat and my friends, just wailing. they're like, "Who is that?" Yeah, you my know? friends to this day, when they see me, you know, off stage, it's like, you know, I still can't put this together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about your kids? Oh, they love it. They love it. Like, do they? I think my favorite moment ever was when my kids were young. We were playing. Uh, we were opening for Tesla at DTE, and I had my mom, my dad, my wife, and all my kids and my mm-hmm. brother and stuff all in the front row. Wow. Oh, wow. So now, cool. does any of your kids have any musical? Any anybody want to? They follow? play. They play a little bit of piano and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but they're they're pretty in, in, entrenched in their studies right now. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't been too much music. I just tell them, look, I never pushed it on them. I just mm-hmm. said, listen, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever makes you happy in life, and you have a passion for, it and you have a drive for, it, do it. But do it to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. yeah. Well, What's the best advice you ever got? It was never advice that was told to me. My dad. Uh, just lived it. I mean, he exemplified everything good. I can't even tell you like so over, you know, he passed last week and there was over 1300 people at the funeral from around the country. Wow. He just helped so many people, did so much, dedicated his life to our family, to everybody. My mom's the same way. Just give, 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 give. And, um, you know, they, the stuff they've done and and my, I was very lucky to have the parents that I have and the and the grandparents that I had. And even though my grandparents all were most passed away before I was born and one didn't, you know, a couple that were, I passed away when I was young. Yeah. The mark they left and mm-hmm. what they did is unbelievable. And the, the, the stuff they did for other people when they had nothing, they were doing, yeah. they were it's always. Made you, it's made you the person you are. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. What, do, what do you want your legacy mm-hmm. to be? Just to be a guy who treated humans the right way. That's it. You know, if they can say that and say that I lived, I didn't just exist. I actually went out to try and do things and live a bit. And you wow, know. well, you're definitely doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. Amazing. Congratulations yeah. on on all your success. So Thank the you. you've got a couple shows coming up. I think this uh, Saturday you're performing. You know what? I I can't. I re- delayed the show because of what happened. My oh father. right. Oh, okay. So we held okay. off on that show, but we're going to reschedule. Okay. Uh, and then we're getting ready to go to Seattle soon. So I'm kind of, I'm going to start putting some more shows on the books where we might be opening up again for, oh, there's a funny story. We open up. So I've been listening to Robin Trower for 30 years. Uh, one of my biggest influences of all time. And then in 2008, we played our first show with Robin Trower. Wow. It was like the coolest experience ever. And it was at Royal Oak Music Theater where I had seen Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, wow. And we opened up for him and it was just like, I was like, hey, wait a minute, am I here? And yeah. Then, yeah. Sure it's surreal. Right. Yeah. And they ended up liking us. So we played nine shows with him. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we played with him like at Newport Music Hall in Columbus and Orbit Room. And we've done a few shows with him at Royal Oak when they come around. And just turned out to be very cool to just to 
connect with your guitar hero and the end of playing shows. Mm-hmm. And- wow. Now, um, let's switch the TV show. What's do you are you still doing that? Yeah, or? we have a lot of episodes are still getting edited down because okay. my my buddy Bill Von Lindsay does the editing. Okay, and uh, he's still editing. We have like a bunch that are still unedited. He's working on some good ones. In fact, we brought Andy and Dennis and interviewed them and Scott Scott Henderson, and we have. Uh, Boy, about six, seven good shows that are not out there yet. Oh, great! Mm, so, good. And we're and I and then now I got asked to do a uh, podcast with uh, a gentleman named Tom McDonough, and this is really interesting because he is interviewing all these uh, besides music people, like all these heavyweights in the political world, which I don't like politics. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I'm really walking yeah. eggshells because I'm like, yeah, you know, th- I'm not one to divide the people. I'm one mm-hmm. to put the people together. So mm-hmm. I'm cautious on oh, what I say. Man, I agree with you. Uh, that's that why we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> same, same. but w- wouldn't you yeah. think if he's interviewing you, he would just, you know, kind of stick with the music and what you're oh, doing? Oh, he wants stuff. me to, to, I co-host the show with him now. Oh, so, oh. so I can't run away from oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. That's true. Wow. But oh, you, and what, um, how, how do you listen into that show? It's called the decap. So like the recap of the decap. And oh, cool. uh, okay. it just started. He had a, he had a show. It was called um, This Moment in Time, where they interviewed a bunch of. I mean, we're talking like Secretary of Defense. We're talking like people wow. that they wow. they like a bunch of people. Uh, you know, listen to the interview first to make sure it's okay to put out there. Mm. But then we're going to interview musicians. I'm hoping we get like Ann Wilson from Hard on there and like oh, Richie wow. Blackmore and some other people. Is that really why you think he brought you on? Is yeah, to get more. Yeah, yeah. And he, he watched the Welcome to D interviews too, mm-hmm. and he liked the yeah, questioning. Those are great and stuff. interviews. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I watched Thank you. the uh, Mark Ferner, Ferner and yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, George Clinton. One. George those, is hilarious. Yeah, I could tell. He was definitely very, I mean, it looked like you two were best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, George is a good guy. It, it was so funny. Every interview starts with, you know, I always say, give me the Reader's Digest version of your life. Story. Right. And they're like, you know, I started playing guitar when I was a kid and, you know, my barber showed me how to play and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, George, you know, give us the Reader's Digest recap. He's like, so far I've been D-flea, D-ticked. Yeah. And this, I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> Well, Mark, congratulations on all oh, your success. You. We're going to have to um, have you back on and mm-hmm. keep up to. with everything that's <laughs> going on with you. Um, now, you're going to be opening for Georgia Clinton, right? You know what? The George, they, the management ended up adding somebody to their entire tour. Oh, so they okay. had to move our show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Sorry for all these cancellations. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, but that's okay. Go, you can, um, you can yeah. go on... Um, Slight Returns website. Yeah, slightreturn.com. And it has the whole, you'll have your whole tour schedule yep, on yep. there and release dates and everything yep. else, right? Yep. Everything was kind of like uh, put on hold now because we're getting the album together. Yeah, but right. I'm going to start getting some stuff booked further out and get things rolling again. What's going to be different with this uh, this next album? I think I want to make this album pure Slight Return. And, oh. Yeah, except for Jack and Dino to get him on bass and stuff because I want that Seattle history on there and Jack's a great guy. Yeah. But I think... I, I'm not sure. I have some people in mind that I want to contact about recording. Okay. But right now, I'm I'm not sure if I want to go, okay, let's just do a- uh, Yeah. Do you have the songs already done? (laughs) I got about five of them done so far, but I got about 20 of them written, so I got to add the music to them and then see how they come out. And We're going to head out there and just uh, record them live off the floor and see what happens. Rocky's available. Is is that how you write? You write the lyrics first and then you add the music? It's weird. Sometimes I I write a ton of lyrics and I always have them sitting around and then I'll write music and then I'll go, you know what? You got that lyric. Yeah, Yeah, this flows with that. This flows with that. Mm -hmm. Or what's the vibe of this tune? Is it Mm -hmm. something worse? You know, what kind Mm -hmm. of, is it sadness, anger, whatever? And I know what kind of music that. I like how you think. Hmm. Wow. 
That's amazing. I wish I could write songs. (laughs) (laughs) You want to start? Yeah. Just lay a beat down for you? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. You're going to rap. Nora's available, too. (laughs) Um, Is there... Well, Jess isn't here yet, so we can go over just a couple minutes here. She was signaling me. But um, what do you think the secret is in the music business for longevity? Man, I don't even know what the secret is. I can't tell Mm. you. I just... I think the secret is just keep going. Just, just have, keep going. Just keep going. Have drive. Don't stop. Don't don't quit, you know, because there's a lot of things that are going to go wrong along the way, but you just got to go, okay, that's a pothole. <laughs> that's Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but just keep moving. Just keep moving. You Keep your feet moving and you're going to get discouraged. Things are going to happen. Did, have you ever thought about quitting, giving up? Everyone has. Mm-hmm. Everyone has because you push so hard and then you something happens and goes wrong or whatever. But you know what? Just keep chugging along. And but how do you know when something goes wrong that it's not a course correction, like you're not supposed to quit and go do something different? How do you know that you're supposed to stay? And you really don't. But if you feel a passion for something, it's hard to quit, mm. you know, because you feel like this is what I got to get done. This is what I'm thinking about Yeah, getting done. It's just your – nobody can answer that but you. Right. You know, like I got a nephew of mine who's a professional gamer and – you know, when he was playing video games and growing up, we all like, oh, do you want to kind of get a job or whatever? <laughs> Boy, did he prove us wrong. He's making like high into the six digits playing gaming. Wow. He's getting flown everywhere. Now they're going to have him set up a booth at the Emmys, the Grammys, and the Olympics, wow. next Olympics. Wow. Yeah. It's like, well, what did I know? <laughs> That's what he had a passion for. Yeah. And he said, I'm going for it. Yeah. You wow, know? that's amazing. Did you have anybody in your life growing up that tried to discourage you from pursuing music? Yeah, you know, the usual relatives and yeah. stuff. Cause you got to go to college. You have to get your degree. You have to. Well, I went to school. I went to Wayne yeah. State for two and a half years before I went to Musicians Institute in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, people are always going to discourage because nobody understands your journey except you. Right. You know? And right. It's like, uh, you know, my daughter went away to Michigan State and my wife was uh, – like not, we didn't want her to go. I mean, I don't want my, my kid. I want yeah. my kids home, you know? Right. And now she just, we just got a letter in the mail that she's now on this, uh, like she got invited to this honors society thing and all this. Oh, I'm wow, like, see wow. what happens when you're, when your mind is in the right place and your spirit's in the right place. Cause I told her, I said, if you mm. got to go somewhere and get it done. When I went to LA, there was no internet. There was no cell phones. No, I mean, when I was in LA, I was in Hollywood by myself. There was nobody there, and it was crazy. Hollywood's crazy, uh, but it's what I had to do to get what I wanted done. Sometimes you got to get away to focus, right? And I think it's happened. My daughter, she went. She wanted to go away to college, and it just. That's why I say you don't know somebody's right. You know, their journey is their journey, not yours. Right. True. Right. Well, so. Yeah, and don't let other people. Convince you that, exactly, and there's going to be a lot of those that are going to exactly. try and say, "No, nah, what are you going to waste your time for?" Right, blah blah right, blah. It's right. like, do you find that people are taking you much more serious now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I bet. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you know when they when they all of a sudden hear the recordings or they see these videos, like, hey, wait a minute, this is professional, right? You know? <laughs> like, right, right. They're like, who produced it? I'm like, I did. Yeah. Why? Well, <laughs> like, wow. Who would you love yeah. to uh, collaborate with? Santana. Santana. I would love to actually directly work with Carlos and just do it because knowing his influences are like exactly the same as mine, except for Tom, like one influence that I have that was huge on me that he doesn't is Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. It was kind of like I always knew about Hendrix and Trower and Steve Ray Vaughan, and I was lucky enough to meet Stevie Ray. Uh, and I knew about 
like all these guys that I loved. And all of a sudden out of left field came this guitar playing from Tom Morello. And I was like, whoa, what the heck is this? And it's just like the scratching at the end of the solo and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, that's all Tom Morello stuff, you know? Wow. And that was, uh, but I'd love to, I know if me and Carlos sat in a room, it'd be a couple days before we walked out because we'd be, we would never stop talking. <laughs> right, right. People. Oh, that would be a cool collaboration. Yeah, I be bet awesome. you that's going to happen. You seem to uh, put out. it out there. Yeah, it's out. It's out in the universe. universe. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have to wrap it up. We're going to close the show today with uh, Welcome to the D. Yep. Right. Welcome to the D. My signature. Your signature <laughs> song, right. Yep. Yeah. And apparently a lot of other people like it, too. <laughs> <Yep>. Exactly. <laughs> it is a great song. Well, so um, anyway, this is Slight Return, and we will have the link up in the SoundCloud, um, and we'll po- well, the link's up on our Facebook page, but you can go to their website, Slight Return, and, and check out all their music and follow them. They're on all the social media sites. Mark, thank you so much for being thank here today. Thank you very, very much for thank having you. me. And Loved it. And we do have you. to finish with yeah. our... Rocky, you gonna do the fortune cookies? Oh yeah, <laughs> we always end our show with fortune right. cookies. This is gonna be about Carlos Santana. <laughs> okay, is this gonna happen? Yep, this is it. Let's see. All right, so we toss the cookies, and whatever way toss the prongs the face, that means that fortune was meant for That's you. Yours, Jack. Uh, you better free toss them. Yeah, <laughs> they're all facing yeah, me. <laughs> and just yeah. okay. No, no, I thought you were gonna redo it. Oh, you want me to redo them? Yeah, we oh, got to okay. redo them. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, we have to All redo them. Right. This is serious, yeah, you know. This is an important part of our... If it says Santana in there, I'm making the call today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might not say Santana, but it might say... Well, we're going to see. Just get one? This one, Jess. All right. Okay. There's yours, Rocky. That one's actually pointed towards you. You want to start, Rocky? And let's yeah. and let's end it with, in, with Santana. Okay. The words with Santana. Okay. okay? So we are going to make this happen. This is going to happen make because happen. Mark was on the Nooner Show today. And his fortune. His fortune. Okay. There are 365 days in a year. May all 365 of your dreams come true with Santana. There you yeah. go. All right. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. It says, you'll have a new exciting business adventure. <gasps> With, with Santana. Santana. That might be it. Ooh. With Santana. <laughs> I think you better yeah. make the call. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Nora. You will be reunited with old friends with Santana. Wow. <laughs> we're old friends. Because we're going to get invited. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be his old yep. friend. Yeah. That's it. And we're going to collaborate. And right. we're going to be invited. And we'll be, yeah. So uh, this weekend, we'll bring you a surprise with Santana. <laughs> mm-hmm. I might be collaborating with him. <laughs> I don't know with what. <laughs> I don't want to know what kind of collaboration. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to comment. <laughs> uh, your future looks bright with Santana. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Mark. Thank Slight you for having return. me. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, check them out on the website and follow them. Um, get on all their social media because there's a lot happening. There's going to be a collaboration coming up with Santana. With Santana. With Carlos <laughs> yeah. Santana, for sure. And we're going to close the show with uh, Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the D. D. Sometimes the only mode of transportation available is a leap of faith. (laughs) Thanks for taking a leap of faith.